0: don't know this, then you're behind the times. The
1: only metric that matters is convenience.
0: Rules apply to you, suddenly you're an advertiser buying space. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo.
2: And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world.
0: On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds.
1: Nowadays, you can't
2: just be a retail brand on social. You've got to be more of a lifestyle destination. We sat down with our very own Amy Miller, who is the senior account manager in fashion here at Social Chain, to talk about all things fashion marketing in 2019.
0: Yes, the fashion world is going through a fundamental period of change, with social very much at the root of that. Everything from the way that brands work with influencers to the future of the high street.
1: By PLT doing a podcast and excuse the name, behind closed doors, you do go behind the scenes to get to know A, the influencers who appear on their account, and B, the brand a little bit more. All this and more, coming up.
0: How has social disrupted the way fashion brands are discovered and marketed?
1: Straight in for the kill, Theo. Straight
0: in for the kill. I don't
1: know. It's just changed so much over the years, hasn't it? Like back in the day, you'd pick up a glossy magazine and be like, oh, I want that jacket. Or you'd walk into a store and see something and you'd save up, you'd beg your mum or you'd save your wages. But now we get hit by those ads constantly. We're on paid, we're on Mm. social. We can scroll, we can look, we can save items. And then before you know it, You've spent 500 pounds on ASOS. <laughs> so <Yeah>. it happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Even I can empathize with yeah, this. Yeah,
1: it's just the quickness and the speed of everything. Like there was once, there was once a time where you'd long for something and sort of wait and save. And there's still that today, of course, don't get me wrong, but it's so easy to get something now. I mean, mm. you buy it and it's at your desk within an hour. Like Farfetch is doing 90-minute delivery, you order your Gucci sliders, they're on your
2: desk. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Didn't actually know that, i not it? Writing
0: notes. <laughs> 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 it seems to be though, doesn't it? When when you when you go on social and especially Instagram, overwhelmingly fashion. I mean, I can yeah. only think of
1: yeah. travel
0: that realistically comes close yeah. to the amount of fashion content out there as well.
1: Yeah, so obviously I think fashion is probably one of the most dominated spaces on sort of social and Instagram particularly, but you are fighting against obviously that travel, hospitality mm-hmm. and that, but fashion always seems to sort of cut through
2: the noise mm-hmm. and makes you stop and look, which is great for yeah. us. It's always fashion ads that I seem to get hit with on Instagram, like sponsored posts, it's always clothes, but I guess that's like probably just a reflection of what I'm yeah. doing
0: exactly. online. They get yeah. you good.
2: You're probably shopping a
1: lot, Eve, and then you just get... Too much. How, how, how do they <laughs> differ then?
0: How do they differ, the nuances between, say, fashion and travel yeah. and hospitality? Yeah.
1: I think it is sort of the instant reaction. Again, you don't just get hit by an ad for a holiday and go, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm going to book that £7,000 trip to the Maldives. Mm. You think about it a bit more. Whereas if you get hit with a 25% off, I don't know, fast fashion brand, ASOS, PLT, you will just think, actually, that's a steal. Mm. I'm going to get this top for what, £15 and you can just buy it. So it's so much more
2: instant reaction and you just can't you've got stop got impulse yeah. on your side it sounds like yeah. fashion like it always applies as well like you like you're always going to be on the hunt for clothes like you're, there's never really like a set time where you'd say like oh no um, it's not clothes buying season like it's all the time <laughs> all whereas the like time. holidays obviously you'll save that for a certain yeah. time and i think obviously like travel and hospitality
1: hospitality you very much have to leave the comfort of your home to go for a meal and to do all of that and yeah. it's same with travel like you've got to really plan it go away and do it whereas fashion you can have it here and now and share it with friends, put it on social. So, yeah.
0: Mm. And influencer marketing, I suppose, lends itself to fashion more than anything. We've got 80% of fashion brands uh, currently are using an influencer marketing mm-hmm. strategy. How much of a game changer has that been for the, the fashion industry, I suppose? Because this is interesting as well, because I was reading something a while ago where it was sort of saying, I think it was like uh, a Vogue editor or a Grazie editor yeah. and sort of saying like, you know, we've, we've sort of got stylists and bloggers and, and, and whatnot who've come to the industry and sort of doing our jobs. Mm. So it was almost a kind of... Yeah, so
1: it's really interesting, interesting how influencers have changed the game. Like that stat you referred to, I think we did a study here and it was like in 2019, it was, a, it was a high percentage of marketeers were planning to use influencers. And there has been sort of some backlash saying, do you get your ROI? Is it worth the money? Too many brands are doing it. But they've completely changed the game of how we A, market, and B, how we shop as a consumer. I think the most sort of the majority of our brands here at Social Chain, Gen Z, millennial demographic. Mm. And we all know that they want brand loyalty, brand trust. They're looking for a brand that aligns with their ethos, like sustainability is a huge thing or anything along that topic. So if you can sort of align with the morals of your consumer as a brand, that's when you're gonna win. And influencers can do that so well. It's an authentic sort of tone of voice. It's them very much saying, I genuinely really like this product. So if we do a paid partnership, they're not obliged to say, this product's the best thing I've ever had you get honest feedback and that's what sort of consumers and brands really thrive off and that's where you can get the best sort of results but influencers just pretty much changed the game mm. and I don't think they're going anywhere which is another another topic but
0: I wonder yeah. though at the moment as well if it's because I think about it now and, and obviously we hear about fashion being one of those very saturated spaces especially for influencer marketing is it possible in this day and age to become a successful fashion influencer now do it right now? Or do, you, or do you think that it's kind of like, you know, the gates have sort of been closed. Everybody yeah. who is somebody now is somebody.
1: Yeah. No, I think there's always room for everyone. I mean, I've been having this conversation a lot with sort of brands and individuals about podcasts. Everyone like everyone saying, am I too late? I'm like, absolutely not. There's, there's room for everyone. And I think it is harder on in Instagram and YouTube nowadays. There's people out there who are absolutely killing it. They've got their niche nailed. Their audience loves them. Their sentiment's amazing but if you're doing something a little bit different so I've seen influencers grow since the rise of IGTV Mm. so there's one influencer I won't name drop her but I think she had about 50,000 followers before she started doing ways to wear with some of our brands and whatnot and she grew up to 350,000 plus in a really short space of time so if you jump on the new formats
2: use it correctly Mm -hmm. and sort of get your audience involved then you're gonna do good yeah that's a really good tip um so we've talked about the nuances between, say, like a fashion brand versus like a travel brand. But within fashion, obviously there are different um like sectors, if you will. Yeah. Obviously there's like high end, luxury fashion, and then things like your fast fashion and your high street brands. When you're working to like market different fashion brands what are, what the difference is there yeah it's a really good question i guess it really depends on
1: audience and also sort of like your kpis and goals as well a luxury fashion brand might have a completely different set of deliverables and goals than a fast fashion brand for instance because if you look at a fast fashion brand, their stock is a lot quicker. They in in a week they get thousands of new products. Whereas luxury, it's a bit of a slower, slow fashion market. And mm. um, but they, they do they do differ. But again, use same sort of tactics. They're still using social in the same way. Yeah. They're still sort of relying on influencers and that third party to talk about them. But they just luxury have to be savvy about the way they market it. They do it really well with the whole these are forever pieces. You yeah. You buy mm. sort of you buy. What's the what's the phrase?
0: It doesn't seem Bye like for an life. Im- Yeah. It was just, yeah. <laughs> for life. Buy one yeah. For buy twice, or buy yeah. right the first time. Aye? Exactly.
1: Yeah. So I have seen influencers and a few brands shift towards
2: mm. you forever and like, almost like hero items. did it, didn't she? Yeah. she? brought out her own fashion line called Saturday. And like um, the jumpers came out first, though, like merino wool, like proper Italian wool. 75 they, pounds they them. were. They, like, yeah, like, it's quite yeah. expensive for like an influencer thing. I don't know how many people bit, but yeah, yeah I just thought it was like, I know she's like a lot of bloggers call themselves fashion influencers Mm. but she's actually very interested in fashion so it made sense for her to
1: yeah and I think what Megan's done there she has sort of opened the market up a little bit yeah I I don't know like fully her demographic but I know she has sometimes got a bit of a younger audience so I think to sort of teach the audience about where she got all of her materials from it's Merino wool I think it's from like Huddersfield or the northwest and it is all sort of ethically sourced and the background that went into it she very much shared a process from like the design to the end product and I think her audience were really interested in that and people love transparency. If yeah. you can be transparent and say, okay, this costs £75, but here's the reason why, mm. people are very much, they will align with that and yeah. sort of back you, so to speak. That's, that's it,
0: that is a, sorry, Eve, you carry on. I just
2: think like, obviously when you hear like luxury brands, like when you're younger you obviously have, like, less disposable income. So there's something in me that thought maybe high-end things or, like, pricey things, luxury things don't apply mm. to the younger generations or that they're not interested.
0: It is that, I, I, you know, even I can put myself in the shoes of, you know, that aspiration yeah. when you're at a young age. You know, yeah. for me, it was, you know, your GQ and your Hugo Boss watches and, and whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I mm. suppose this generation's Instagram was you know my magazines say mm. 10 years ago and yeah. whatnot which I it's
2: a good point it's aspirational so this stat I'm just looking at it now doesn't actually refer to purchasing it's just like interacting so maybe they're like looking at content and mm. maybe it's not time for them to buy yeah. it but it's something they'll think about later when they have more money um, so it's actually 77% of millennials interact with luxury brands uh, on social followed by 72% of Generation X and 53% of baby boomers Gen Z isn't mentioned but there's still a portion of millennials that are you know early 20s and uh, maybe don't have that much disposable income so that actually surprised me I
1: know we did um we did sort of a bit of a study recently on luxury um comparing it to fast fashion as well and what we did find I think it was in 2018 um fast fashion sort of not their affinities but the the purchasing of fast fashion was almost cat no it's either way around the purchasing of luxury was almost catching up with fast fashion because people and the younger generations were like I really need I did, it's not necessarily luxury but I really need this new um Ralph Lauren and Palace sort of collaboration or I really need those Gucci trainers that all my friends have got mm. and people started investing in luxury from a much younger age I would go to Tammy Girl and Topshop yeah. and sort of buy a £5 heart but now I see like 12 year olds walking around in Balenciaga and in Gucci but it's, that's it's the must have well. definitely like influencers sort of like their favourite influencers will be wearing them all
2: and it almost creates this I need it now yeah. sort of feeling I wonder if it's like people caring more or young people caring more about like labels because I've noticed that recently with like whole Balenciaga it's thing a lot of brands which I'm sure just came yeah. from like Cardi B Yeah, but like <laughs> the, those trainers are so expensive and sorry Balenciaga if you're listening but I'm not actually a massive fan of them but yeah. everyone was buying them and it seems to be like if you're wearing brands these days like that's what young people are doing but there's also an ethical side to that like you said Definitely. these pieces that last forever the younger generation is so much more conscious of that now and maybe um some fast fashion brands they're not um that interested in yeah there's pros and cons to both like fast fashion is great you need an outfit
1: it's close to payday and you can get the look for less and they sort of sometimes mirror a luxury brand so that's amazing so if you are if you are struggling for outfit inspiration you can just head Mm. to fast fashion but luxury is it's growing even more in this market and day and age which we didn't necessarily expect but it's definitely sort of on the rise and young people are walking around looking great (laughs) <laughs>
2: I'm jealous. jealous. Yeah. We yeah.
1: They're
2: not going yeah. through those like awkward phases <laughs> yeah. anymore, are
0: they? There, there I say their name is is as luxury had to almost. I don't want to say low its price point, but as it had to make itself more accessible, maybe through social to sort of capitalize on this opportunity because it'd be unheard of him 15 year olds when D and G mm. now and Gucci mm. and whatever, and now it seems to be. Luxury fashion seems to be closer to fast fashion than it's ever been, maybe not in production, but yeah. in principle in mm. a way.
1: Definitely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. So for instance, um Mulberry did a pop-up in store, and sort of younger generations wouldn't necessarily go in store, but they got influences. They got the likes of Megan Ellaby, mm. Little Magpie to go in store. It's like a vending machine, it was super fun. You could get stickers out of it, you could get drinks. And that sort of made a younger audience A, go in store which isn't something they necessarily do anymore they're going to sit in the comfort of the home and shop or sort of send it to the friends and B, it was something new for a luxury brand to do sort of doing something a bit quirky and a mm. bit gimmicky but I think we can all say people have sort of capitalized on Gucci's success as well. Like when Gucci first started doing memes, we're sat there like, is this for real?
2: Gucci doing (laughs) memes?
1: What's going on? Like have they posted to it by accident? But then that just went off. So they were doing the memes, they were sort of doing artwork that just wasn't screaming luxury, but then the growth and the success of the back of it, they Mm. went from sort of having this reputation of, I don't know, guys with little side bags to now sort of Everyone wants to wear Gucci, and that is because mm-hmm. of the just use social in a really innovative way and just completely touched a new audience. That was probably they probably hadn't really heard of them or sort of interacted with them before. So mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's true. When we yeah. when we first spoke, I remember you you said something along the lines of um when we're working with luxury brands, obviously social data plays a massive part in understanding Huge, yeah. um a brand's audience. And a lot of luxury brands didn't actually know that there were young people there like interested and, you know, watching what they were doing, but mm. they just weren't speaking to them. Exactly. Because I think If you look at traditional brands,
1: like heritage brands that have been around for years, you sort of, you do have that core audience who will be like, I only buy underwear from so-and-so, I only wear the best suits from wherever and my socks have to be, I don't know merino wool mm. or whatnot yes. and people know their audience they know exactly that the guy's going to come in every six months get a new suit and get a shirt and even the socks and shoes to go with it but what they weren't realising is that a younger audience is the aspirational thing we're talking about mm. also want to look like that as well so people were just sort of disregarding this audience because they were like well they don't have the spare income but what we were saying before is they will save up to get that look. Yeah. So we do a lot of data pieces around who's talking about the brands, but who's like, what are the competitors doing as well? And it's also sort of looking at their tactics, being like, well, they're using video in a way that a luxury brand would never use video. They're doing sort of like a 360 tour of the showroom, Oh, they're doing something a little bit different, like an IGTV or a way to wear a suit in five ways or whatever. Mm. And we have found really interesting sort of um, content types that people wouldn't always think of for luxury and presented that to people. And they've gone, well, we never thought to do this because we didn't Mm -hmm. think they were the buyers. But we have found out they are. And through data as well, like brand partnerships, if we can see what other people are sort of what other affinities people have, Doesn't it make sense for your brand to then partner with that brand and do an event, get people in store, footfalls, Mm. you sort of KPI, or get people on an IGTV or do, I don't know, do a vlog with them, do something a Mm. little bit different. Mm. Yeah.
0: Somebody who is as impeccably dressed always as you, somebody who's clearly very interested in fashion. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to put you in the sort of, you know, mind of the user, take yourself out of, you know, the marketing world for a second. What is your relationship now with fashion in terms of social? What what is, what is now the grazias and the vogues and the what mm. what are you what are you seeing? What are you engaging with? What are you advising brands to do on the back of that?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's a bit different because obviously I'm in the day-to-day of being a marketeer, but it's sort of like high quality content that people have considered. I mean, nowadays, you can't just be a retail brand on social. You've got to be more of a lifestyle destination. Mm. People have got to go to your page and be like, oh, they're talking about the latest news or they are sort of presenting this video in a way that I never thought they'd do it. So something super interesting for me was Vogue just did a video with Love Island and I was like, Cheapskates. I'm sorry, Vogue. I'd love to work with you. (laughs) But I was like, doesn't seem
0: very Anna Winter, does it? Vogue, is Anna sat there watching
1: Love Island every night with a sunny zone like that? I would love that. She's got the branded water (laughs) bottle. Like she is going for it. But for me, I was like, do you know what? They've done it in a way that is still true to Vogue, and then sort of the engagement interaction off the back of that Mm -hmm. was amazing. And they do the 73 question series that people are obsessed with. But that content format for me, it's sort of like. It was a no-brainer, but no one's done it before. And they've really nailed it. Yeah, it's that sort of power
2: in doing the unexpected, isn't it? Like, it's obviously going to get that attention. And if you do it well, those people will stay. Yeah. But
0: it also throws up another sort of question for me in in that, you know, this is something we've seen with fashion brands as well. Fashion brands wading into conversation more. Mm. So I remember a few years ago, I think Gucci supported the International Women's March. and There was a bit of discussion around, you know, should a fashion brand or any brand for that instance sort of weighed into these conversations you have yeah. they become have they had to become more relevant to people's lives in other ways other than dressing people in yeah a way?
1: I think definitely and again I keep banging on about data and our data team we be very pleased but um <laughs> it does sort of underpin a lot of the stuff that we do so simply we which we work mm-hmm. with sort of on an ongoing basis we looked at fashion week and sort of what that meant to women and men nowadays and it wasn't Great. Back in the day, it was a be-all and end-all. You wanted to be on the front row of Fashion Week. Like, you couldn't have got any better than that. But when we looked at sentiment, there was a lot of anger and angst against it as well. And what we did find is that um, women were starting to feel underrepresented by sort of the sizes of women on a catwalk. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not realistic that everyone's a size yeah. six or an eight straight down a, whole, a catwalk. Like, body positivity movement yeah. on Instagram, which was really kick that sort of, like, that exactly. side of the activism. So as much as... I say to some brands, please don't talk about politics because you're just going to get in sticky waters. But you can talk about topics that are relevant. So we decided to do a stunt, go to Fashion Week and sort of show off all the different beautiful body types and put them in lingerie and put these women in front of London Fashion Week on the first day. And we caused a real scene. We got a lot of press out of it. But again, it was just showing women and aligning to a cause Mm -hmm. that this is what people actually feel and Mm. this is what you're representing to a younger women and anybody else out there who might feel misrepresented. So there's definitely a way for brands to
2: do things and to make noise, but just try not to offend anybody in the yeah. press. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. obviously love that Simply Be campaign. And it's it's a really good example of when, you know, you can talk about something important yeah. um, culturally and, and do it well without getting in trouble. And there's we always question that, like, oh, should brands get involved? But if you like compare, say, Simply Be mm. to what's been happening with Victoria's Secret, yeah. it's like a prime example of that's what happens, you know, when you don't even try, yeah. like, when you don't move with the mm. times, obviously... You know, they've, they've had to make some serious changes now, but it was only mm-hmm. after massive backlash. Yep. And we did some research into that. And honestly, after they, they hired their first trans model, sentiment flipped from like, it was like 90 something percent negative to 90 something percent positive in one day. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. Which isn't shows it? that people are
2: willing to forgive. Yeah. But honestly, like, the the shitstorm they caused <laughs> from that is maybe it's it's worth doing something yeah. you know you may as well try
1: I think always consider it and consult everyone else because do you remember the Kendall Jenner and Pepsi thing mm. like bad bad move bad More move one for the history books that. yeah exactly but I think as long as you do it in the right way and it always aligns back to your brand yeah brands will get penalized for jumping on sort of things and it doesn't align to their amoral compass or cause so there's a lot of backlash last year for brands um sort of doing collections for pride which is amazing and it's it's so good to see that so many like luxury and fast fashion brands are getting involved but when you look deeper into that a percentage wasn't going to charity Mm. so it's like Mm. you're using this as a marketing stunt and that's obviously just not acceptable so you really do have to just think about the wider picture. Got to be yeah. You've got to put talk your money where your mouth is to as well. People, <laughs> yeah. expect you to,
2: people expect
0: you to follow up. Let's talk about the areas and the opportunities for innovation as well, because yes. I mean you 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 of all people must be really excited by what's going so on with excited. Instagram now. Yeah. We've got creator stores and accounts yeah. coming up and obviously shoppable tags we've had mm-hmm. for a while, but the ability to actually shop in Instagram and yeah. make purchases that's that surely got to change it's, everything yeah, for you has- isn't it
1: Completely changed the game when I first started working in social, like shoppable just wasn't a thing. Mm. It was like link in bio or I <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, go to our blog and <laughs> SEO was everything. But obviously like seeing it change so, so much. But for me, it's sort of the tech that goes with it as well. So Instagram just made it open to everyone now, AR filters. Yeah. So like back in the day, they tested it for Gucci and Burberry, but now a brand can make their own AR filter. And what's great about that, say if I use it. On my Instagram, then you guys go on it. You can store it in your filters as well. So it has oh, this like really? ripple effect cool. that everyone can use. Then you all, you open yourself up to a new customers and another demographic. So sort of tech for us is huge. Like Alibaba have absolutely smashed it. Sort mm. of doing these tech stores where you go in and it's sort of like an AR changing room. You mm. you stood in front of a mirror. You want to
2: try on this outfit. You swipe and it's there. Mm. So. I I like augmented reality was made for, like, fashion and (sighs) beauty. It's like trying things on, isn't it? Yeah. You no, know, uh I can't remember for the life of me which brand it was, but um they had one of those like AR stations in store and it was like try on different shades of lipstick or oh, eyeshadow. Yeah. yeah. So clever. So good.
1: And like Nike of Nike and Vans as well, have actually have created an app where you can try on shoes in your front room. You literally just scan your foot and the trainer's like there on your phone. It's ingenious, isn't you it? You don't have to leave. You can just be in your dressing gown trying on shoes. So <laughs> Let's see but how well it goes with the, yeah. with
2: the dressing yeah. gown.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what's what's what is the sort of uh What is the ideal situation then for most brands? Is it that you shop on social? Is it that you're still coming in store or having those experiences? Or is it we don't mind Mm. as long as you're spending the money? Yeah, I
1: think it it completely varies because a lot of brands nowadays predominantly just retail online, like Mm -hmm. Pretty Little Thing, ASOS, but then you can't forget your bricks and mortar brands as well. Like people do still love to shop. I, for one, still love to try things on and feel the quality of fabric before I send it back. So there is the importance of sort of marketing for those people who do like to shop in store Mm -hmm. everyone's got a different body shape everyone's got a different body type and it's nice to try things on and see how that looks it might not look like what it does on a mannequin so we do need to remember that but for those who are predominantly based online they're like sort of their new catwalks are great you can see it on different body shapes asos did it for example for the first time and they are trying to sort of implement sort of AR catwalks and stuff so things mm. are coming to sort of bring the online into your home yeah I, I can't even predict what it's going to be like in five years it'll be models strutting down your living room floor <laughs> but yeah and so. that goes
0: beyond age then that you, you said about because I suppose you know from from some people will be thinking like oh it's, you know it's mainly people who are over 30, 40 or 50 mm. who shop and anybody who's a teenager who's early 20 something yeah. is going to be shopping online yeah, what so do it you goes make beyond of, age
2: what do you make of rumours that the high street isn't relevant anymore? It does sadden me and because I just love to shop. Yeah. <laughs> like if they shut down, gutted. But we're actually
1: doing a bit of a study at the moment, like who are the people sort of shopping in store and who yeah. are the people shopping online. And it's right, there is mainly younger people online, but also the rise of the older generation shopping online is huge now, mm. especially on the likes of like Amazon and food delivery. Mm. So the data on that's super interesting, but... I think one thing we forget is naturally as teenagers, what do you on a Saturday? You do still go to town and shop. Yeah. That is part of your routine. So I don't see it dying out anytime soon. We just need to adapt and sort of bring that tech in store yeah. to make the younger, younger generations want to shop more. Yeah,
2: definitely. I really do think like even just examining my own habits, which I know is uh, sometimes dangerous to do because it's not what everyone <laughs> else do will it. do. But uh, say you like browsing for something online, I'll have an idea of what I want. Have a, have a browse on, a, on like an online store and then if I find it I'll go into store to then like exactly. you said like try it yeah. on or see so you know if it feels like good quality or if it looks like it does on the website that yeah. kind of thing so it's integrating both.
1: And brands are picking up on that. For example, like Zara, they've brought in self-checkouts in their flagship stores because they understand that people don't want to stand in a queue. Some mm. people don't want the interaction, which is a shame, but it's the way life's going. Everyone yeah. wants to do it quick and easy <laughs> and not have that face-to-face sometimes. So yeah. stores are adapting as much as they can just mm. to that pressure, I guess. Do you find
0: shopping's still a pleasurable experience, given all, given all of that, the queues yeah. and everything else? Is it...
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for me personally, yeah. And a lot of people still do. Like seeing something in the flesh is completely different to seeing yeah. it online. But again, the beauty of the online world is you can have it the next day. Yeah. Mm. You can all, like especially with the likes of like Klana and stuff, you can order in bulk and pay it off with within your limit and within your means. Yeah. So the online world for shopping is amazing and it's opened up new doors that people never thought was gonna be possible. Mm. So I'm a huge advocate of both online and high street.
2: Are high street brands focusing less then on footfall or are there, is it still a KPI for them or is it um, just like part of the mix as well as like social goals as well? Yeah. It completely varies on brand to brand, but what I have
1: found it is it is still part of their whole marketing strategy, getting mm. people through the door. But it's doing something cool in store, even if it's something as simple as bringing you old clothes and someone can upcycle for you in mm. store with an artist. I mean, I was in Carnaby Street the other day, and there was someone hand painting on trainers, and the queue for that was ridiculous. And that's not something you nece- necessarily was get it online. <laughs> <laughs> Darts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: The, the, no, you're so right as, as well. this sort of in-store experiences that we've seen. It strikes me, the resounding theme with this seems to be that social as well as the marketing. It has impacted the store, the fashion experience yeah. in so many ways to me. Fashion and social... Just even you know, even at events and like you said, fashion mm. weeks and stuff. It's it, does it seems to be diversifying.
2: You can't like like with any brand, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. And one thing that I want to touch on is obviously the rise of branded podcasts yes. um, and PLT because now it's not just social channels and it's not just us. No. There's a whole new form of media that yeah. fashion brands can uh, get involved in. Exactly. I think we were saying like the rise of tech and innovation and the brands to jump on the
1: new means and the new sort of social things that are out there is incredible. So podcasts, we obviously saw the Rise of them and how mm. well they were doing. And they're de-
2: right to number one. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> there was definitely a gap in the market for a brand to jump on that. And when you sit back and look at a branded podcast, it is hard because you don't want to come across as sales in yeah. or you don't want to sort of be like, buy this outfit that so and so worn on the podcast. It is a complete brand awareness piece in honesty, unless you do monetize it obviously through the use of ads. Yeah. But if you want to do it to sort of reach a new audience and get that deeper level of understanding with your audience, then Podcasts have just completely changed the game mm. for
2: that. How much can you tell us about Pretty Little Things Podcast? Um, like I, I'm curious to know. Obviously, you have um influencers on yeah. as guests, but how much of that then is geared towards trying to make a sale and how much is just, you know, here's a great piece of content and people are gonna get a reward just from that? Yeah, I think definitely for
1: us and PLT and PLT will probably echo this. It was more about being a first. So there was no branded podcasts out there. And PLT has got such an amazing brand because people are so loyal to them. Like yeah. they will shop at PLT, they'll watch all their IGTV, they'll enter every single competition. Their their loyalty rate is super high, mm. but it's like, how do we get to that next level? Sort of how do people get to know the brand a bit more? And I think that's what I was saying about a brand becoming more of a lifestyle. Yeah. They had that completely, but it was just taking it to the next level. So by PLT doing a podcast, and excuse the name, behind closed doors, you do go behind the scenes to get to know A, the influencers who appear on their account and B, the brand a little bit more. Like Natalie's actually a social media manager at PLT. So she lives and breathes the brand and to sort of get that across on camera has been amazing mm. because we can do it on social as much as we want. And they've got PLT HQ, which again is behind the scenes, but nothing quite gets it. They're like a sit down talk, getting to know someone. Yeah. And the influencers have been amazing. They've been so open about sort of, not yeah the struggles of social media what it's like to be an influencer at the age of like 22 and sort of dealing with fame and dealing with everything that comes with it and we've managed to touch upon points like mental health bullying um, sort of health like cancer and whatnot. and to do that on
2: a grid post you're just never going to get the authenticity the the space in it when obviously like PLT's Instagram strategy will be geared towards you know here are the clothes like the clothes by the clothes podcasts you know it can't do that but again you're not going to talk about bullying and mental health on on their Instagram uh, exactly. And I think it's just built up this whole, I guess there is a new audience as well,
1: yeah. who are such advocates of what they're doing and what they're saying. The reviews are amazing. The subscription rate is great. And the retention rate is sort of some of the best we've ever seen. So we're super happy and hopefully PLTR too. It's, uh, <laughs> it's an
0: excellent podcast. It's a very, like you said, it's such an intimate space, isn't yeah. it, to get to know people. It seems like it goes deeper. You mentioned then, um, a few themes such as mental health mm. and uh, sustainability early on in this podcast. Yeah, are we seeing fundamental changes within the culture of fashion? Because you know, even even you don't have to be an outsider looking in to know that fashion has always had this kind of like high pressured yeah. kind of uh, theme attached to it. You know, it's very cutthroat and it's very mm. strict and all of this. Does he? I guess I, I imagine there's still some of that. But yeah. are we seeing a trend now where? The fashion world is uh, sort of, you know, prepared to speak about these sort of mental health issues, sustainability, Mm. body positivity Mm. and whatnot. We've seen fundamental changes. And do you think that will continue, I suppose, for the next few years? Yeah,
1: I hope it continues because it just sort of makes you align with a brand so much more like Mm. the whole body positivity movement has been amazing and sort of letting people speak out about how they feel. And the fact that that's come from a brand is previously unheard of. Mm -hmm. It would have come from maybe an influencer or a newspaper or a columnist in a magazine, but now a brand can actually talk about it themselves. Mm So I only see it heightening and people talking about more and more issues and sort of people aligning with causes. But yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely changing sort of the way people shop is changing. People are more conscious about materials. I mean... I think fashion, I hate to say it, is like this one of the second biggest killer of our planet because of all the sort of resource materials that go into it.
2: Yeah,
1: it's Some of it isn't all too ethical, mm. but people and brands are becoming great at that. Like H&M, for example, they've just announced that all their cotton is 100% sustainable. By 2030, they want to be a complete circular business mm. and fully renewable, which I think is amazing for brands to do. And if people can talk about that and inform the consumer, then they're the brands that are going to win. And if you can't do anything about it, absolutely understand. Primark, for example, obviously back in the day, they would have got a lot of negative press, but they have been making small changes and steps towards it. So they did a tweet saying, come and buy a glass coffee cup. And you're like, okay, cool, it's a glass coffee cup. But for Primark,
2: that was that was a big move because yeah. that is their yeah. way of talking about the conversation. Mm. Like obviously, with big companies and corporations, it's no secret these days. Everyone knows, you know, if you're a company of a certain size, you're going to be having an impact on the environment. Yeah. Fashion brands know that, and their customers know that. So to shy away from it would seem, um, I don't know, just a bad a bad move. Like as soon as you come yeah. out and talk about it, address it, that's when you can start to fix it. And I think you're right; people respect that.
1: Yeah, and brands are making small steps like PLT, for example, sort of doing recyclable packaging. So doing what they can to help the mm. environment and being aware and conscious of it. I think that's the best step a brand can take. Yeah. I mean, we can't make huge changes overnight, but we can definitely try to do stuff about it. Yeah.
2: So. I also think that some customers don't care as much as they may vocalize yeah. because I, I'm absolutely, people absolutely on mad for shopping fast fashion. Yeah. Just because I love the deals. And you're right, it's so easy, so, good. so affordable, so accessible. and in, the, in this like day and age, environmental issues are important. Sustainability is important, but convenience is so much more important. Yeah. Where actions speak louder than words Exactly, sometimes. exactly. There's another
0: thing to be said as well. We've, we've, we've spoken, you know, a lot about the fashion world and, you know, there was a time where the catwalk influenced everything Yeah, fashion. Now it seems that we're getting to a point where there are a lot of trends that take off on social mm. and those are influencing fashion mm. as well. How have you had any instances like that where you've seen something blow up on on social? So I know uh PLT, Boohoo, and some of the fast yeah. fashion brands are very good at that, you know, so spotting good. the trend and then putting it into action yeah. straight away. How can brand how can other brands tap into that, is it?
1: So it's so interesting. I think for us, the biggest thing, obviously you can set a trend and predict a trend and try and push that trend as much as possible, but with sort of fast fashion brands, the the way we've seen most success has been on, like, reactive content. Like, did you see the girl who spilled a red wine or yes. down her white yes. outfit at the races? Uh, I'm being sorry, there? but she must have stunk. Yeah, I know. She carried on, <laughs> but I was like, fair play, honey. Like, props to you. Yeah, But then next week, PLT had an outfit where you could buy the tie-dye oh, red I wine it.
2: jumpsuit. And Someone <laughs> like, actually like, commented saying, like, PLT needs to get involved on this, like, they need to see it because it looks it. like their festival range.
1: And, like, social listening is incredible. Someone put a tweet out saying why don't brands do a meal deal? And Boohoo were like, why don't brands do a meal deal? I mean, you can get your sandwich, your juice and your crisp and whatever for £3. Why don't we do it where you get a dress, a pair of shoes and accessories Mm. for £30 or whatever it was? And that went down a storm. was clever. So you can just use social listening for little things and jump on reactive content Mm. and make huge sort of waves and people are doing it with random acts of kindness people have done tweets saying got a new job got a job interview tomorrow like i hope i look good and brands have gone here's 200 yeah. pounds yeah and it's just yeah like that's the way clothes. you can that's make nice. waves i guess yeah
0: fast fashion definitely seems like it has that advantage mm. with this over the luxury brands. yeah zone. i wonder if they'll uh it's it's, it's interesting to see if the because as well what the one of the other points that I wanted to talk about um was what we're seeing now with uh, we've mentioned influencers again but influencers launching their own stores yes so the competition is getting re- is really really hotting up between brands isn't it and I feel yeah. like the way influencers and brands work together it might have been said brand would work with said influencer. Mm -hmm. Now said influencer has the power as well.
1: Yeah, and also influencers are getting a lot of brand deals with brands as well. So they'll do a collaboration with a fashion brand and that does amazing for both the brand and the influence Mm. as well. So it is twofold. Brands are very good at spotting the talent that their demographic aligns with Mm. and sort of elevating their sort of profile and their style. And then people, it sells out instantly. People do want to look like the favourite influencer and shop what they do. I mean, look at the Kim Kardashian effect. Like everyone's walking around in cycling shorts and hoodies. Like it's crazy.
0: The attention is well and truly on social. With all of that in mind, uh, one of the... Another question I want to ask you is, well, we saw with Lush what Lush did. Yes. I mean, mm. not technically a fashion brand, but a brand that very much in these kind of conversations. Call well, beauty. Exactly. Yeah, beauty. Yeah. Can a, you know, is it even possible for a fashion brand to exist now and not be on social, given everything we've spoken about?
1: <sighs> no, for me, no. <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know of any that do? Um, not necessarily. I know people who sort of, operate I don't want to call it like I wouldn't know how to say it not spammy content they won't they'll post like once a week sort of Mm. meaningful but for me you're not going to cut through noise like Mm. you have to be heard to be seen in this Mm. day and age with fashion brands so you need to be on social you also need to be responding to your customer nowadays if your dress doesn't fit you tweet someone or you dm them if you're not on social how are you going to know about this because realistically a 14 year old isn't going to sit down and write a structured email of how upset she is with her outfit Mm. like people head to social for speed reactivity and if you're not doing that then I don't know how you're going to communicate with your customer, yeah. and also future trends and stuff. Like you can just you can see it through social listening. You can tell what content resonates with your audience and what doesn't. So that could almost inform your wider marketing strategy for the whole year. Mm. So if you're not on it, you're kind of missing out. Yeah. And Lush is sneaky because they are still on social and they're operating on a different Instagram. I think it's maybe the US or the global Instagram account. So it's like, was it a PR stunt? I don't know. Yeah, potentially. It was only their UK channels and I don't know what happened yeah. with their UK team no. and they just gave, it up, gave up. Like Spoons, obviously, they were like, nah, it's not for us. But then they use the app and stuff. I'm like, see, yeah. you, you do love
0: Digital tech. still integrates, yeah. yeah.
1: But for me, no, if you're going to be a fashion brand, then that's where your audience is nowadays. Not everyone, sadly, is buying magazines to sort of look at things. It's it's there and now on the lunch break on the phone or mm. when they're in bed at night. So. Yeah. So
0: on a, on, a, on a final point, is it, always been like that, would you say, though? Because I go back to this sort of Vogue uh, article that I, I, I read a while ago, or it might have Love been this. a blog <laughs> online, and I think they were saying that...
2: I know you read both. Uh, no, yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> myself. It's all,
0: all come back to mind. But um, where I think it was a few fashion editors at magazines were sort of calling out influencers and mm. bloggers and saying, you know we, we, you know, we are the experts. We've gone to, you know, fashion school and all the rest of it. Yeah. Was was there once a snobbery that sort of, you know, dissipated now, do you think, in terms of social? Or-
1: yeah, I think even sort of in real life as well, there was very much like the Devil Wears Prada effect, wasn't there? I yeah. mean, mm. my childhood dream was to be like Devil Wears Prada, to sort of be an Emily, doing anything I can to be in fashion. And that's, that's completely changed. It's not the way it is anymore. Like back in the day, it might have had that connotation and it might have been like that. but. On social now, I think, like I said earlier, there's there's room for everyone. Everyone can grow. Everyone can sell the product. I see amazing startups on Instagram getting huge love from influencers or just genuine consumers. So mm-hmm. if you've got a great product and a great brand, no one's going to be mean, hopefully. yeah, Everyone's got a lot
0: of love to
2: give. Social's obviously changed the game.
0: In many ways. Mm-hmm. In many ways. I'm shocked. One final
2: question for you. What do you think the next evolution of fashion marketing is going to be? Oh,
1: I get asked this all the time. So... Obviously, we've seen a huge rise in sort of like avatar influencers. People are saying Ooh, yeah, to like me. and things. Yeah, yeah, like Balenciaga just sort of commissioned three sort of avatar CGI influencers. And I do think that's interesting. I don't think it's quite taken off yet. Like mm. people aren't going to completely call their influence strategy, but there's definitely new tech and innovation out there. That's going to be.
2: Yeah, that'll be The exciting. next thing, in fashion. I'm so intrigued by that whole like situation. Yeah, yep. it's one yeah. to watch for sure.
0: Even the AI and you know predicting what you should wear with, with that in mind, yeah. I've, I've got to ask because we can't do a podcast about fashion <laughs> without asking you, Amy. Your biggest trend for 2019 oh God, going I forward? Look.
1: Florals, no. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. Florals for <laughs> yeah. spring, yeah. Devil's hand, yeah. The oh Theo, you always look great, so don't worry about well, it. Oh well, on that
0: note, <laughs> thank you very much, Amy. It was great speaking to you. An Absolute pleasure. Yeah,
2: thank, thank you. It. Loved it, guys.
0: Super. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode.
2: If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week.
0: This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson.